Hello, all of you out there across the pond. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. We're on every week uh, at this time, and the name of our show is From Across the Pond. Uh, we're recording it on the East Coast here in the United States uh, on the campus of a university, two universities that are right next to each other. Uh, one of them is Eastern University and the other Cabrini University. Uh, one that's traditionally uh, Protestant and evangelical and the other is a, is a Catholic school that are coming together saying we need each other and we're going to be one as, as Jesus prayed that we would be one in the world. So even as we record, we are seeking that unity and we are <laughs> that we pray for. And we are appreciating Cabrini for many, many reasons. And every every week we're, we're talking about uh, what we call red-letter Christianity. The, the old Bibles have the words of Jesus highlighted in red. And uh, we think, ironically, part of what's happened to our Christianity is that we've lost our grounding on in Jesus and our focus on Jesus. And so we end up uh, focusing on things Je- Jesus didn't focus on and forgetting things Jesus never forgotten. Uh, so we're, we're really coming back to Jesus and coming back to the red letters and trying to see how they might influence the way that we live in the world. So we, we also talk a lot about lifestyle Christianity, uh, that Christianity isn't just something we believe, but it's something we live. It's not just taught, but it gets caught. Hear me out. Jesus once said, those who live by the sword die by the sword. Now, uh, we're not people who carry around swords anymore. We carry around guns, especially in the United States, where there are more guns in this country uh, here uh, on the uh, U.S. side of the pond, more guns than there are people. The number of guns in this country outnumber the population. Mm. Um, And you've become very involved as of late in doing something about that and calling the church to do something about guns and gun violence. As you know, every time you turn around, it seems as though there's another mass killing here in the United States. Uh, More recently uh, in Florida, uh, a high school got shot up. 17 young people, teenagers, were were killed. Uh, Then there was a situation up in Connecticut where uh, more than 40 children uh, little boys and girls were shot up in a school and killed. And then there was a situation in Las Vegas, which was the biggest mass murder that took place in this country ever, uh, where a man who had a, a modified rifle that functioned like a machine gun killed scores and scores of people. And uh, so the question has been raised, gun violence. What are you doing about it, Shane? Well, I, I want to say that I think, uh, for me, these are not just about single issues. You know, I've done a lot of work on the death penalty and now on gun violence, but to me, it's all an extension of my pro-life ethic, my, my commitment to life that every person is made. You know, people, in the say image of God. Pro, people say they're pro-life and then say, they really mean they're anti-abortion. Yeah. And, and there's, and pro-life is much more than that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I kind of think, uh, that, uh, if, if we see that, that, Abortion is an important issue, but it's not the only life issue. That that uh, uh, that that gun violence and the death penalty and militarism and war, uh, immigration, even that these things. Any time that we see our brothers and sisters struggling and dying, we're losing a child made in the image of God, and that's where. For me, gun violence also became very personal because I can I can walk you through our neighborhood in North Philadelphia. Um, and there's a lot of things I love about my neighborhood. There's a lot of things I've learned from my neighborhood. But gun violence 
is still one of the plagues. Uh, and we, I can walk through almost every corner in our neighborhood and tell you about the person who was killed on that corner. Uh, President Trump here in the United States has claimed that um, guns are not the problem. The problem is mental health, that we've got uh, too many people who are mentally unbalanced and that uh, there are people who are psychologically uh, messed up. And these, th- that's where the problem lies. Well, I think part of the problem lies in uh, polemics and hubris that we've used this kind of stale rhetoric to, to say sure. guns aren't the problem. And I, I think that, that we've got to say, hey, let's actually just step back and say, yes, we have a heart problem and a gun problem. Like, no. I think it's absolutely, sin is in anywhere. You, you're, we're going to kill people uh, with, with, with uh, like Cain and Abel, with tools if we, if we want to. But the fact is, when you have guns that can have the capacity to shoot 100 bullets in a minute, which we yeah. have, and yeah. that, that's these weapons of choice and, and mass can, shootings. And you can buy them without much trouble. Yeah. So the, the capacity for our sinful hearts to do damage and to destroy life uh, is, is, is unimaginable. And, and so we see that. Um, and, and please, it's not just mentally ill folks. It's folks that are deeply racist uh, sometimes that are, have been bullied and then become bullies. And we see the capacity. I mean, some folks are acting like immigrants and refugees are dangerous in America. And I saw this recent study that came out and said that you're more likely to be killed by a vending machine falling (laughs) on you than a a refugee or immigrant. But, but often um, it has been white males that have been responsible for these mass shootings, sometimes veterans who have been traumatized by war that come back and do terrible things. But the fact is, like, the profiles of mass shooters um, vary, but the weapon of choice doesn't. And yeah. these AR-15s, these, uh, Attack uh, weapons. Uh, uh, these weapons that are designed to kill as many people in as short a time as possible— uh, is what we're talking about. And, and they're using these exactly for what they're designed for, which are to kill human beings and as, as many as possible, as quickly as possible. Uh, please note, just north of the United States is Canada. If you look over the demographics of Canada, they're almost identical to the demographics here in the United States. Large numbers of immigrants, people coming from places like Mexico, people like coming from Haiti, from the Dominican Republic, uh, Pouring into the United States, yes, but pouring into Canada at pretty much the same rate. Mm. Uh, The difference, of course, is that they have gun controls up in Canada, and they don't have gun controls here in the United States. And the difference in homicides uh, is so, so markedly different. I mean, so markedly. Here are two groups of people that look the same, that sociologically are the same, uh, and and yet, one place uh, has ten times more murders per year as the other place. And the difference that we can find is that the one place has a multiplicity of guns available. You can go into they have these shows in convention I halls. I went to one, Tony. I just went to the one because I felt like I needed some. Uh, if I'm going to critique this, I need to see it from the inside. So I, <laughs> I went and but it was heartbreaking. I mean, there's a thousand there's a thousand tables. And my wife went with me because she grew up hunting. 
and she's looking for a hunting rifle for a 410, uh, a hunting rifle. She can't find it anywhere. What you see on all these tables are these semi-automatic assault rifles. We, we saw a grenade launcher, a rocket launcher, uh, these weapons that are military weapons that are still legal on our streets. And, and in fact, as I'm leaving, there's folks selling guns outside and you don't even have to show an ID. In fact, yeah. if I had given $400 cash, I would have walked home with a gun. Yeah. And, and this is this is legal gun shows. It's yeah. what you know folks here call the gun show loophole. And, and but, we're, all we're asking of the government over here is let's put an end to all of this. Let's stop this from happening. And in the name of Jesus, stop. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, end this insanity. And part, part of what's been so hard, I think, as we look at this is that some of the biggest champions of guns have been Christians. I mean, literally at this gun show, we, I, I saw all these bumper stickers and T-shirts that said things like, there's two things you need to know how to use, the Bible and a gun. And neither of those are you going to learn in public school. <laughs> we have, I mean, it's crazy. Like, we, we have something here in the United States that when I go to the United Kingdom, I don't see. And that is everywhere you go in the United States, automobiles have bumper stickers. Yeah, yeah. And one of the most common bumper stickers reads like this. This country was built on God, on guns, and guts. Yeah. What a value well, system. I, I'll tell you one more, because, because I think underneath this is something even more disturbing. Like, one of them had a picture of Jesus with an assault rifle and said, if he had had one of these, he might not have been killed. Yeah. And so what is deeply troubling is that there's a whole theology under this, and it's why we see some pastors now responding to the gun violence saying we need more guns and we need them in church literally like a, an hour from where i grew up in tennessee an, a man brought a gun to church and is explaining why we need guns in church and the gun went off and it shot his wife i mean thank god she, she survived but we're making these arguments that we need guns we need guns in church and what we've got to keep coming back to is the fact that jesus carried a cross not a gun yeah. jesus said that we're to love our enemy. And I think it, it, it becomes increasingly difficult to love our enemy and simultaneously pack heat and prepare to kill them. <laughs> and, and, and this has to be added. Uh, Paul writes in his epistles, our weapons are not the weapons of the world. And when, in fact, we resort to guns as our instrument of protection, we have, in fact, turned away from Scripture. Yeah. We are supposed to resist evil. We should not call ourselves pacifists. Uh, pacifists just sit back and take it. Right, right. We're, we are nonviolent resistors. Yeah, we're peacemakers, as yeah. Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. And I think the, the model of Jesus is that we can lay down our life for someone else. And in many of these mass shootings, incredibly heroic people have put their lives in the line to, to, to try to stop someone from being killed. But the minute that we begin to mirror the violence by arming ourselves and preparing to do violence— we end up becoming the beasts that we're struggling against. And, 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 and that's where, you know, Charles Marsh, uh, a, a great historian, he wrote this beautiful piece where he said, an armed church has no martyrs. And he says that when we end up worshiping the gun more than the cross, we distort uh, uh, the very faith that we see in Jesus. And certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's an understandable logic. I mean, even Peter, you know, picked up a sword, and a lot of gun owners, you know, bring that up. And I, I say, but what happened? You know, and Jesus disarms Peter. He scolds him. He says, no, put it back. You pick up the sword, you die by the sword. And then 
uh, he heals the guy that Peter wounded. And the early Christians interpreted that. They said it, Tertullian and so many others, they said, when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed every one of us. Every there Christian. was never a, a, a better argument for using violence to try to protect the innocent. So we've made, it, it really is this kind of idolatry if we think of um, guns as something we're putting our faith in, we're putting our hope in. They make empty promises that they're going to protect us, and yet over and over we see that these guns are not protecting us, they're killing us. Let me point out that most murders in the United States take place in private homes after 11 o'clock at night. And uh, what happens is that people have guns in their, in their drawers and uh, on their end tables, and they get into a very, very heated argument. And uh, in the heat of the argument, they reach out, get the gun, and they shoot husband, wife. And then you see this guy in court the next day crying his eyes out. I didn't mean it. It was in the heat of the moment. Exactly. We shouldn't have guns around so that people in the heat of the moment can kill each other. Yeah, I mean, we, we literally, and th- these are not just, you know, s- statistics. A few blocks from my house, a little four-year-old girl was killed um, accidentally uh, by her father. We had another young man, uh, like a three-year-old kid that was on the front porch of his house, and he was shot multiple times. Um, and, uh, like, we, we have kids that are finding guns and using them and being killed by guns. And, um, and, and, and we, we can do better than that, you know. And, and I think the other side of this I didn't even think of uh, is the, um, the suicide rate is astronomical uh, where we have more guns. Where, where there are more guns, there are more murders, but there are also more suicides because folks are um, uh, much more likely to die from a suicide attempt when it's by a gun. Um, and, they, and often suicides are very um, made uh, you know, in, impulsively in, in less than an hour, and when a gun's nearby, it makes it a whole lot easier to act on that. When that church or that preacher said, uh, if uh, Christians had guns, uh, we wouldn't have so many martyrs. And what they failed to understand is what the early church understood, namely that the church grew because of the martyrs. Martyrs were, in fact— Well, that's, that's what Charles was saying. He was saying, you know, if, if, if we put our hope in our guns, then we've lost the cross, you know. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the, the, the early Christians— they live fearlessly, and that's one of the amazing things, is that our infatuation with guns largely comes because we're driven by fear. We're fearful of, of everything, and yet the, the irony and the sad, sadistic part of it is the person who actually ends up killing us most likely already has a key to our house that, that we see when it comes to women who are murdered, and like you said, to folks that are killed accidentally, um, even folks that... Uh, robbers break into their house. It's it's often the gun that they already have that ends up taking their life, and that's that's what's really you know so heart wrenching about it. Uh, what are you doing about it? Do you guys? So this we're doing a lot of, going? Yeah, we got we're, we're writing a book uh, on guns called Beating Guns, um, and it's telling a lot of the stories of of uh, uh, both the the painful stories, but the beautiful stories. And one of our inspirations. Um, uh, comes from the prophets Mike and Isaiah that say God's people will beat their uh, their plows, uh, their their swords into plows, their spears into pruning hooks. So they give this image that we will beat our weapons 
into tools that can cultivate life and rather than take life. And uh, so we got inspired by that. We've got this network of blacksmiths uh, called Raw Tools because that's war flipped backwards, Raw oh. Tools. And um, we're, we're inviting people to donate guns. And after this mass shooting, we've had a huge influx of donated guns. And what are you um, doing with the guns? And we're melting them down and making garden tools out of them. So we're going to do one uh, of these uh, live, you know, real time in the streets of Philly. We're actually doing it at the traditional Quaker building from 1811. We're going to, uh, you know, be outside of that on March 21st. But we'll, we'll, we're going to video it and have it live streamed. And we're going to take one of these semi-automatic rifles, uh, just like the one that was used in, in uh uh, Florida and and so many of these mass shootings, and we're going to melt it down. We're going to invite the victims uh, of gun violence and those the the murder victims' family members uh, to take the hammer, and we'll transform it in a matter of about an hour um, into garden tools. And then we're going to deliver one of those uh, to one of the senators here in uh, Pennsylvania. He's a, he's a national uh, congressman, though. And we're going to call for an, uh, a ban on assault weapons. Uh, so our prayers will uh, also end up taking action. And if we don't see action, we are anticipating a pray-in or a sit-in there at the, the senator's office as well. So uh, you might have to do the radio show uh, alone without me if I'm in jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It's not the first time you've been in jail, is it? Uh, how many times have you been in jail? <laughs> <laughs> three times this year. Three you know, times yeah, this, but, this year. Yeah. Three times this year. But well. I think what we're seeing is that we, we've we got to turn up the volume and we need faith leaders. I'm thankful that we're going to have uh, um, a whole lot of pastors, uh, Reverend Jackie Lewis, uh, Michael McBride, a lot of really wonderful pastors that will be there uh, for this uh, action and that have been in incredibly outspoken. So even as we've seen some pastors that are a part of the problem, I think there's an amazing presence of clergy and faith leaders that that realize that this is a pro-life issue, that this is an issue that Jesus would care about and does care about. The bishops of the Catholic Church here in the United States have been very forthright in uh, condemning the sale of guns uh, with almost no controls. They've called for gun controls. Yeah. So the Roman Catholics are ahead of the evangelicals on this one. Yeah. And may I point out the following? If you go to the meeting of the National Association of Evangelicals. I, I don't know whether it'll happen this year, but the one time I did go, the biggest display at the meeting of the National Association of Evangelicals mm. was the National Rifle Association. Mm. Sweet Lord. And I talked to somebody there, and they said, oh, this is the best place to recruit people to buy guns. Uh, right here yeah. in the National Association Free. <laughs> what does it say about evangelicals when their biggest display is not with Bibles? Their biggest display yeah. is is uh, the National Rifle Association. Help it's, us, Lord. Incidentally, over there in the United Kingdom, uh, you may not have the same problem we have. The National Rifle Association has millions of members who contribute millions and millions and millions of dollars and they, they, they own our politicians. They, that's yeah. what happens. And to run for office here in the United States is very different than it is in the United Kingdom. You have to stage a campaign, buy radio time, buy television time, and it costs you, if you're going to run for the U.S. Congress, just for the U.S. Congress, 
it costs you somewhere around uh, two to three million dollars to run for Congress, and you mm. have to do that every two years if you're a congressman. Mm. If you're running for the Senate, you can't dare run for Senate with less than five million dollars. And if you're running for the presidency, you can't run for the presidency. These are actual statistics unless you have 20 million dollars. And what the National Rifle Association does... I heard somebody suggest we should just auction off these offices to the highest bidder. Well, that's what it amounts to in the end. Because whoever has the most money buys the most ads, has the most radio time, the most television time, and that's what wins elections. But here's the deal. Here's, here's and the National Rifle Association is the biggest funder of campaign, political campaigns here in the United States. But, but here's the thing that's interesting that we sometimes forget, and I, I've learned this as I've looked kind of closer at the gun issue, is that the NRA, they, they self-proclaim um, to have 5 million members, 5 million. But if you think about that, that means... 90% of gun owners in America are not a part of the NRA. Like 98% of Americans are not a part of the NRA. So like I, I, this is one of those things where I think people are waking up and they're realizing that we have a, a small minority, even of gun owners, that are holding America hostage on this. And, and even some of the more conservative polling groups have found that uh, three-quarters of gun owners – uh, believe that we've got a major problem on our hands. And so we've got great allies like, this is a good one, Tony, hunters against gun violence yeah, <laughs> that, that believe that having um, a, a rifle to keep coyotes off your farm or even, I mean, even having a gun that you, you intend to have for safety in your home or something, that that, that does not equal uh, unregulated uh, uh, guns on our streets. Except and, that we have to recognize that for the first 400 years, of the life of Christianity, the first 400 years, up until the Council of Nicaea, using violence against people who threaten us is condemned. Yeah. And the early church was committed to nonviolent resistance. Yeah. You, the Bible is clear. You, you don't resist evil with evil. That's where Dr. King came to this reality, too, where he had, yeah. he had a gun. He said, I, I began to realize that, that that was part of the problem, you know, and he, he got rid of that. And so I, I think that uh, what, we, what we have, though, those of you in the U.K., you can be thinking for, of us and praying for us. We, we really do have an uprising, and many of these young people and these students are leading the way right now. And, I mean, we, we, here, here's one fact for you, Tony. We have more regulations on toy guns than on real guns. So like a Nerf gun, you know, like a, a toy gun, if I shoot someone and hurt, you know, poke their eye out or something, we can sue the Nerf company. But guns are the only industry, real guns, that have immunity from being sued from any responsibility or accountability. We've got folks that are on terrorist watch lists that can't fly on airplanes that can still buy weapons in our country. So we, we can do better. And, uh, and I, I, I hope that Christians can lead the way on and this. And in this age of terrorism, if there was any reason to get rid of guns wholesale available on the street, it should be because of terrorism. Well, we're coming near the end of the show. So uh, wrap it up for us. So, che so check out our uh, uh, raw tools rawtools.org and you can see some of our weapons conversions and one of the things that we do is we do these uh, conversions of weapons is we say we also know that God is healing hearts and no law can change the violence that's in our own heart and so Jesus said you know that we are to uh, uh, get the log out of our own eye before we try to get the speck out of our neighbors and he said that if we call our neighbor a fool we're guilty of murder in our heart so as we pray for the healing of our 
country when it comes to gun violence, we also know that we need to pray for all of our hearts to be healed of this contagion of violence that goes all the way back to the original sin of Cain and Abel outside the garden of a brother killing a brother. And violence uh, is taught and it's, uh, it's kind of caught like a disease sometimes. And we've got to pray that we can, we can be healed of it by, by the spirit of the uh, Prince of Peace and the one who said, I am uh, the, the living water, the way, the truth, and the life. And we need that healing in us. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus calls a man, he calls the man to come and die. Mm. Are you ready to lay your life down in order to live out the teachings of Jesus? Is Jesus so important that you're willing to do that? Well, the end of the show is drawing near, and um, my name is Tony Campolo. The guy on the other microphone that has been speaking so eloquently against guns is uh, Shane Claiborne. Which, incidentally, if you have guns, you can donate them as well, and we will turn them into tools. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and we're here every week at this time. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. Thank you for listening, and I do hope you come back uh, and uh, listen in. In the meantime, go to our website, redletterchristians.org. There are articles on there. There is a statement of what we're all about. And why we call ourselves Red Letter Christians, which incidentally is because if you get some of the old Bibles, the words of Jesus are highlighted in red letters. And so we call ourselves Red Letter Christians because we're going to obey the teachings of Jesus, those red letters of the Bible. So come back next week when Shane and I will be with you for another show. Thank you for listening. Pray for us. Pray for America. Pray for the United Kingdom. Pray for the world. 